everybody and welcome to the classroom um hello <laughs> uh today we are covering the final book in the heroes of olympus percy jackson series which is the blood of olympus mm -hmm. um i'll start out with uh uh as as always Haley has read this book this is my first time uh reading it uh so i will go over uh some of my quick opinions on it uh definitely not one of my favorite books in the series i felt like uh, there was there was a lot in this that felt rushed and a lot of uh sort of storylines that i think he just he was like oh that'll be a fun idea but i don't have anywhere else to put it so bam, just in this sort of center section um i also think riordan sort of falls back into his old problems with writing fights where just so he describes a lot of what's not important instead of giving us like general things of the battle and that and he does it in a way that makes me get lost very easily um the one i think that that's the last most prominent Go sorry ahead. yeah i was gonna say the last battle scene uh -huh. not at camp but with the giants and the gods mm -hmm. is so there's like too many layers to it yeah it's because it's it's like a fight for a bit, and then it's like, uh oh, is the 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 main problem I think with it is that it cuts from like that battle beginning, uh, to then, uh, Gia beginning to awaken at Camp Half Blood, and then back to the fight, and then it starts with like this weird perspective of like Jason like thinking about telling his grandkids this story, um. And so then I'm already confused as if, uh, and then he just like, and then all the gods came down and they fought with us. And it, it really sounded like on the playground, it's like, and then Superman came and said, hello, my best friend, Jason, I will help you defeat these <laughs> evils. Like it, it, it really felt ham fisted in there. And because of like the way that like the almost frame story that it is told in it, confuses me more so than it normally would have it's it's just done very strangely that being said it's not a bad book it's just that it's very it's very dull this is like the sea of monsters of this series especially coming on the heels of house of hades mm -hmm. house had, of hades was very good yeah it had good action scenes the, the plot was solid even the like stories that you know like the different stories all tied in together real nicely and it just mm -hmm. you don't get that in this one um also <laughs> see i like jason uh in this book jason is probably one of my favorite characters in this book yeah um i'd say he's full-on pumpernickel instead of uh <laughs> white bread in this one but um i would like to say that him and piper have been dating for like six months um <laughs> and he's yeah. like ah yes my wife who has children and then grandchildren with me ah yes piper and i'm like in my mind it's like the guy you're with for six months is like oh yeah this is who i'm marrying having kids with i would have run i would have ran so fast so fast in his defense one i would not be surprised if piper pulled a little bit of some some like Yay. aphrodite magic uh in a weird way too piper also it's uh was like very very forward at the beginning middle and end of their relationship for the fact that i wouldn't be surprised if she thought similarly to jason so maybe they're just 
maybe they're just a good match in that amount of like (laughs) quickness oh gosh anyhow i guess we could try to piece together the plot of this one yeah Um, sure (laughs) we're on two separate continents for majority of the book Mm -hmm. um we've got okay so we start off we start off with old man jason they're going to visit the uh the the beggars or what are they the 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 suitors suitors of um oh what's her name Uh, penelope wife i can't remember penelope sounds right but it starts with a p but i don't remember anyhow Mm -hmm. uh the ghosts then well thanks to the the one legionnaire that is there um actually it's the guy who was responsible for losing the bronze eagle at camp jupiter um exposes jason as in fact being a demigod not this like ghost beggar he was supposed to be um jason sees his mom he has a nice little little freak out about that he gets stabbed um and this and his stab wound is separating his soul from his mortal body basically so it is impossible to heal um get back on the ship we see reyna nico coach hedge hopping across europe to get to the states uh nico accidentally shadow travels them into pompeii Mm -hmm. um they battle some ghosts in pompeii yeah i think uh i skipped a lot already no it's fine um it it, it, this is a very hard part to piece together because like i said earlier a lot of these things are kind of just like willy-nilly ideas thrown in that kind of vaguely tie back the the main parts with uh nico coach hedge reyna and the um the statue uh is that it is nico overexerting himself um and sort of falling prey to a lot of his uh his old habits and uh sort of his flaws uh, his emotions uh at one point uh shows the those two like all of his all every secret he has ever had and then turns a guy into a ghost doesn't kill him he turns him into a ghost and then he goes to hell uh so <laughs> well and maybe that's the way to do this is to separate the two plot lines yeah i think that's yeah i think because, that's best because coach he- coach hedge nico and reina have one of the coolest plot lines of the series even though this book is relatively dull that is such a good storyline mm-hmm. they are hopping continent to continent and the scene so basically reina is just admitted that she murdered her father um which is and, a super high up roman crime of patricide right like, the one of octavian's like henchmen overhear her like ah i'm gonna turn you into the legion you thought you had any grounds left and nico just goes crazy on him and he doesn't even realize it. nico then passes out for like three days and is like what <laughs> um so basically their plot line they like i said they're like moving through uh they end up in pompeii which is like bad because of the amount of ghosts that are there they end up in portugal um not much happens there they end up in puerto rico all the while they are being chased by a giant uh which is like the it's orion yeah it's the anti artemis mm-hmm. um end up in puerto rico meet up with um the amazons and the hunters of uh, artemis um 
then we get like Reina's trauma of her like her family trauma in Puerto Rico hop to South Carolina that's when the whole scene with um the random Octavian Hinch happens then they end up uh, a bunch of Pegasi show up take the Athena statue and them to camp uh where coaches where coach Hedge's wife has their baby he's like so proud of the baby after the battle he's like look at my child look at him go (laughs) chuck um yeah bad name but um sorry to any chucks listening right right. mean any harm by it (laughs) but the entire time this is happening we're seeing like the adventure like the quest moving uh moving east technically uh to to the goal is to athens um Jason gets stabbed. Percy almost drowns on poison in the ocean. He has a nice little mental breakdown that he thinks that's what he deserves because he almost killed the other, the person in Tartarus using poison. Um, Jason has to admit that he is, he's balanced Greek and Roman. Um, Piper and Annabeth go to a temple to Ares, but more so fear over Ares. Uh, they end up in Athens. They get helped by the original Athenians, uh, which are like lizard people. Well, they don't get they, helped. They do not get helped. Quotes. I was gonna say the snakes intend on killing them, but uh, Piper, Piper does like a snake song charm speak sort of thing to make them sort of realize that her. oh, I was just like oh, G is not gonna help us out. We might as well try to fight you. And then. Bam! Scene with the giants. Um, oh, they run into Apollo and Artemis at one yes, point. They, do. they get the phys- physician's cure. Jason gets glasses. That's a plot line. Um, <laughs> they fight the giants. They win, but Percy's nosebleed rises Gia. And then they end up back at camp where Ju- uh, Zeus literally slapped them to camp. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it. It was a. Gia rises. um, Octavian shoots himself into the sky. Yeah, Octavian shoots himself into the sky. Uh, Leo basically sort of does like drives Festus and him into the into uh, Gia to like sort of vanquish her once and for all. Uh, And doing that, he dies. However, he has Festus. get ready to use the physician's cure on him as soon as he as soon as they find ogigia i believe it was what it is um yeah or it's like right before or whatever yeah yeah. (laughs) uh, but something like that but yeah and then everyone's everyone's happy except for they don't know where leo is because they don't we don't know how long he's been out by the time this uh happens but then leo Um, ends up with calypso so yeah that's it that's the plot and yeah. we missed so much. Like, there's some plot lines in the middle about Leo, and I don't remember any a lot of, of A them. lot of Leo's things are pining for people and coming to terms with uh, the prophecy says to storm, or file, uh, to storm or fire the world must fall. So he knew that he had to sacrifice himself. So a lot of his story is coming to terms with that. That is true. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> a lot, but also not a lot. Like a lot happens, but not it, a lot of a, super important things happen. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a lot of small things that add up. However, none of them really matter on their own. 
Like, we, right. like the, the main thing is just sort of the general feel and tone that comes from everything. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can go ahead and move to themes because yeah, this I mean, is, might as well. <laughs> there's a lot. Um, not a lot there, but there's a lot chapter-wise. Anyhow, um, I think we'll go ahead and we can start with with dealing with trauma. Of course, on the heels of House of Hades, Annabeth and Percy are really going through it. They've got a lot of pent-up trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I vaguely mentioned it during the, the recap there. Um, both of them are going through their own different kinds of dealing with the trauma they endured in Tartarus. Percy, like I said, so there's the scene where Percy and Jason are battling the goddess of the storms um, after she is attacking the ship. Um, they're down at the bottom of the ocean and they're battling her and the anti-Poseidon comes up and he's out to kill Percy, obviously, and just surrounds Percy in poison. And we learn after the battle's kind of over that Percy had the means to prevent himself from dying of poison, like from inhaling the poison, but he thought he deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a totally heterosexual bro moment with him and Jason where Jason's like, no, man, your life is worth more than that. And you know it. Um, but there's a lot of Percy trying to deal with the things he did in Tartarus, the things that Tartarus has done to him and just kind of where he is at. Um, and oddly, Annabeth's trauma also surrounds the very similar, the same scene that Percy's trauma surrounds, which is, like I said, the, the uh, him almost killing the goddess on her own poison. Because mm-hmm. we see later that Annabeth is actually sitting with Piper um, right before they go into the like the palace of fear or whatever it is called um, and she's just like that's the only time Percy has ever scared me I don't know what to do with that I don't know how to help him mm-hmm. and we see Annabeth really just kind of freaking out about it and we'll get into that scene a little bit more and I, I mean I guess we're led to believe that they both kind of cope with it uh, I I think that their way of coping with it seemed to be that they are trying to uh, move on to a more normal life. Uh, right. I, 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 a lot of their thing also has been that not only have they gone through a lot of stuff recently, but just in general have gone through quite a lot, uh, none of which they really signed up for, um, all just because of their quote-unquote birthrights. Uh, they have to do this stuff. Uh, so... I, th- I think that a big part of their arc here is that like it's sort of like the one more job trope of like we finish this and then we can we can go to a therapist after this. <laughs> we can have group couples therapy. We can just and it's like the last scene is so sweet. Um, because obviously they're just both like, yay, we can go to college in New Rome and live in New Rome and be safe. No monsters, no bad things, just safety. And you're like, ah, these poor children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody please help these children. Um, I think what character we see dealing with yeah, um, a relatively, like a lot of childhood trauma. Jason goes, just kind of unleashes a lot of his childhood trauma onto the reader. <laughs> After that first scene, his mom shows up and he's just like, uh, 
this woman left me with wolves. <laughs> she could say it was Hera's choice, but it wasn't. It was her. She left me with the wolves. She never looked for me again. And she abused Talia. Like, what? And Jason goes through, a, like, dealing with that. Like, realizing mm -hmm. he's not his mom. Um, that's a good Sorry. no i that's we get a lot of character development out of jason in that mm -hmm. but go ahead i i think there's there's a lot to say about um the like jason's mother as well um in the fact that we we learned that she um like zeus fell for her pretty hard um and then realized that she was like not like not i don't know how to describe it other than like she was not very mentally stable and like needed to be to like have zeus's attention and wanted to become a god and live immortal in her youth forever uh not really thinking about like oh who's gonna take care of the kids not like a question there so right. zeus in a in a odd moment of clarity realized he had to distance himself from her uh and that she pleaded so much that she awoke the roman side uh of of jupiter instead that then came down and was like you know okay we can try to make this work again and even that one even the the like uh even that personality came to the same conclusions like i i can't help you here but now you have a second kid that you kind of need to uh like like I, i'm sorry i have to let you i have to deal with this on my own and there's this woman that like did not learn from like past like past things in her life so much so that she came back as a ghost to try to get revenge on zeus instead of coming to terms and trying to be nice to her children yeah that oh gosh well and just so oh my gosh that whole storyline is and and Annabeth yet again to fan a little bit more of Annabeth's trauma she like goes up to Jason she's like I'm really proud of how you handled that with your mom I need to know that you're okay because I have a friend who has very who had very similar trauma and very similar grievances um and he tried to dethrone the gods so like you good you stable mm -hmm. okay um which is like Jason's storyline in this is really good and I was trying to think I think there was another another part of Jason's trauma we see him not necessarily trauma but like well like kind of going through and this wraps into a different point we'll talk about later is he's kind of coming to terms with the split in his Greek and Roman selves mm -hmm. um and so he's got it he's dealing with that he admitted it in the last book that he's not fully Roman anymore but in this book he's coming to terms with it when he yet again that same scene of him and Percy down at the bottom of the ocean, he comes to terms with maybe he isn't Roman. He won't die a Roman. He will die as himself. And I think that's a lot of growth for Jason that we haven't seen in the series thus far. So um another yet again, we have two more characters that really deal with their trauma. Whether they should or shouldn't, anyhow. Um we see the Reina going through a lot of trauma very fast. Mm -hmm. um the entirety of the time that she is in puerto rico is just her being hit over the head with memories with past trauma with watch like thinking maybe her sister is dead 
trying to deal with it. And she, oh, I think she comes to terms with it, but not in the way she had been. She finally voiced her trauma. And I think that's where it's different from what, like what we're led to believe beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like Raina is very much of a like, I am a soldier first. My, my individual story doesn't matter. The group story matters. As long as everybody else is all right, I will be fine. Um, but in this book, she finally just lays out her trauma to somebody mm-hmm. that isn't just herself or the reader. And I think there, there's there's more that I'd like to touch on on like Raina's trauma, but I think we're going to save that for the character section for her. Yeah. And the final character that we really see kind of going through and dealing with trauma is Nico. Um, he's dealing with it in a complete in like the opposite way that Raina is. Where Reyna is like voicing her trauma and that's how she's coping. Nico's like coming to terms with the fact that he has just witnessed so much at so young that he's just been through so much. He talks to the reader and to himself more so the, about the time and like his time in Tartarus, kind of losing his grip on self. Um, and we're led to believe that he is starting to realize that he needs other people in his life that isn't just him to make it out alive mm-hmm. um and Raina's who he really latches on to but he he keeps referencing Jason too is this like he's established that these two people are kind of necessary for him to stay alive even if they don't realize it except I think Re- I think Raina does but that's a whole nother conversation unless you have anything to add <laughs> <laughs> uh no I think that's all I got Okay, so we'll go ahead and hop over to the other kind of big point that we noticed in this book was closure. Um, and this pretty this ties in pretty snugly to what we were just talking about. Um, we see Annabeth and Percy come to the closure that this is their final, the final time they're going to have to go through a lot of crap. They're going to just go and be happy and be normal, as normal as they can. Um, and then we see Piper and Jason both get a little bit of closure. Mm-hmm. Um, in not necessarily closure, but like a a normalcy. Yeah, they they finally get to make up the fake memory that was implanted in in their like heads of like, oh, we get to like go to the roof on a starlit night uh, and like share a kiss. And it was like it was nice, it was sweet. They like it kind of like finally wrapped up their sort of romance thing because their romance is quite a large part of a lot of the Percy Jackson series there's almost always a relationship going on somewhere uh and I feel like Jason and Piper's has always been the one that's been the most up in the air I'd say uh and I, th- I think it was it was nice that they got a little bit of something and it seemed that they sort of came to terms with what they are and what they were doing at that moment uh, similarly, relationship-wise, Nico was able to come to terms with, like, he likes Percy, and he is able to recognize that he still thinks he's, uh, Percy is attractive, but does not need to be with him, and realizes that, like, that, <laughs> it also leads to the very funny scene of Percy just standing there like, huh? What? No, I'm sorry, I don't understand. I, I'm gonna need more clarification. And I couldn't tell what Annabeth meant 
I I think that she was doing like 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 being like oh like connecting the gears in her head but it, it was like she like had a little bit of a gasp or whatever and he, her like eyes were glowing i i don't know i always read it as annabeth just being like haha my boyfriend is so dumb like really <laughs> i've known this for so long um also i think that's one thing that i really love about like percy and annabeth's dynamic is annabeth's just like always ready to mock percy for like anything <laughs> like all of percy's narration about annabeth is like wow my girlfriend is so pretty she's the best and annabeth is like he's so stupid this is hilarious dude's got dude's got seaweed brain and it's just like that whole scene just always just makes my heart very happy because annabeth's just like haha yes make him an idiot good job thank you nico um and and nico gets closure on that i think i don't know i think everybody has that crush as a kid that like you know it's very unrealistic and when you finally get to go i'm done that's it's okay i'm i don't have to have mm-hmm. you know it's like this doesn't have to become a thing i'm allowed to just be done with it i think that is one of the most satisfying things for nico Mm-hmm. Um, and we see he has a little bit of a romance going on that gets expanded upon in a later series. <laughs> um, oh, God. No, go ahead. It's um, your. This was your. <laughs> this was your one. That's fair. Um, I was. I was also going to say. Uh, 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 as you touched on Nico's whole thing of like, uh, he he believed he did not have any friends at camp. Uh, and that nobody wanted him there and was just creeped out. Uh, and it wasn't as much, it was partially closure for him that he realized people did like him, that he was just kind of like, it's sort of like the scene from Meet the Robinsons where it's like, hey, Goop, you like my Trapper Keeper? Hey, Goop, nice shirt. They all hated me. Um, but uh, then it's also like closure for Will Solace, who was like, I, I truly thought that this guy hated me because I tried so hard to reach out to him and he just kept like ignoring me and denying me. Um, and I, I thought it was nice that like he, uh, Nico is staying at the camp now uh, and like, uh, and like trying to be more social and put like effort in for the cabin of Hades members since it kind of just had not been given as much care as the others, so to speak. Hey. And I think this wraps into closure in Nico's storyline in the fact that he finally has a home. Mm-hmm. Um, when we first met him back in the third book, he didn't have a home. Mm-mm. He didn't have a place to be. He was at a boarding school. He never felt welcome anywhere. He was always kind of the odd one out. But at the end of this book, we see that <laughs> um, I, I love Will Solis. Uh, he is one of my favorite characters. Um, now that is the character I always imagined having the like heavy Texas draw. <laughs> um, but he, I think personally, uh, Will Solis probably would have hiked to wherever Nico would have been and drug him back to camp. <laughs> um, especially by the end of this, when they're, they kind of have their little back and forth um, on the battlefield. Will's like, well, if you got your head out of your butt, you would realize. And it's just <laughs> so... But yeah, this is a good, a good kind of final note for for Nico's story of finding a place to belong. Uh, the other person that gets closure, I think, is Leo, um, and he he's able to 
not only he he's able to come to terms very quickly with he is going to have to sacrifice himself uh and he has the means to make sure that he doesn't fully die so he's better with it but he is able to find ogigia and meet back up with calypso uh and despite there being some problems uh with that um he he still is able to get back there which is very nice and he's able to sort of wrap up that part of himself that was sort of longing for a place that no longer existed i think it also closes leo's kind of misfit identity Mm -hmm. um very similar to nico's uh in the sense that like leo always feels like the odd one out Mm-hmm. Like he says it multiple times. He he feels like he's, he's always wheel. yeah, he is always going to be the odd one out of the uh, out of the seven, out of all of his friendships, he's always the odd one out. And I think him sacrificing himself is a little bit of coming to terms with it. But I also think it's a little I don't know that selfish is the right word, but it's definitely me or Leo realizes he has the opportunity to kind of see himself out um he doesn't have to be the center of attention he can do things without anybody else knowing it i think that's a big big piece of closure for leo realizing that he that he he thinks nobody will miss him but i mean we see that they are pretty tore up Mm -hmm. so speaking of being a little 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 tore up a little upset um it ties into vulnerability that's a really bad segue but i'm gonna keep going with it i was gonna say i have i have i have one that we can try here okay uh big brain it uh so leo is um uh is sort of dealing uh uh, dealing with all this coming to terms uh from being broken up inside um and water is vulnerable to fire in uh, in, uh, most situations. You were going so well, and just <laughs> um. Although I did like the point you were trying to make there. We see. Yeah, I, I, Leo. my brain turned off. <laughs> You're like you. You had that. such a good point. You were like, yeah, yeah, Leo, and and coming to terms with things and fire and water. And I was like, oh, here we go. Uh, um, go for it. Take your own spin. I, I lost my train of thought halfway through and couldn't recover. Um, no, but we see Leo be vulnerable for the first time really ever he is letting down his walls more than to just one or two people mm-hmm. the entire the entirety of the argo knows that he is going through some like some upset dealing with you know leaving calypso we see him talking to percy about calypso Hazel, you know, he talked to Hazel about it and he she drew him the picture of Calypso. Leo gets super vulnerable in this one. He is willing to let himself kind of be open about it. And he's not the mm-hmm. only character that we see that happen to. Um, I think the I mean we touched a little bit on it when talking about dealing with trauma. Reina does that so much in her narration. And I don't know necessarily that it is outside of well, at the first half of this, I don't know that it's so much to the people around her or the people in her life as it is to herself and like, and in turn, the reader. But when she confesses everything to Nico, when she kind of just lets herself drop down her wall 
and tell her trauma to Nico, we are seeing Reyna like openly being vulnerable. She she was able to drop her her I am a soldier. My army is what matters, not me. Um, I don't know if the facade is the right word because it isn't a facade. It's her. It's, it's like identity. a mask. Yeah, yeah, it's like a mask she puts up so she doesn't actually have to deal with what's under that. Exactly, and this is the first time we see her just kind of breathe and like mm-hmm. let it. Granted, it immediately turns into some douchebag being like, "Ah ha ha, I'm going to tell all your secrets to Rome," and then Nico being like, <laughs> "No." You're going to turn into a ghost and wander <laughs> the fields of uh, Asphodel forever. Like, like Jesus. Like, Christ, okay, <laughs> guy, I'm not sad that it happened, but it was quite brutal. Right, right, right. Um, and then the other character we see, a very, un- a, like, kind of same coin, different side, is Annabeth. She, after Tartarus, is just so more willing much more yeah. willing to just admit to when she is not in a good spot. Mm-hmm. And specifically to Piper, her and Piper de- developed this really good um, friendship that she just unloads everything to Piper. And she's just like, I don't know what to do about this. I know it will eventually be okay. But it's like, and this, like I said, in the very much of the same kind of grain as Raina, Annabeth is able to drop that wall and be vulnerable with somebody that isn't Percy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add on vulnerability. I keep talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're good. Uh, I don't think I have much to add to vulnerability. Uh, I I I think the one point I want to make uh, is that. I think that Jason uh, shows a lot of that with like the way that his uh, his character sort of spins around. It's like, you know, what? I'm okay with what uh, my Greek and Roman sides uh, being like this. And while that might seem like closure at first, I think that the he is making himself vulnerable to a lot of other people because by in the last book, he had to decide between Greek and Rome. Like he couldn't keep acting uh like uh like for both of them and on this it's not that he makes like a switch it's just i think he realizes that he doesn't need to have a hard opinion on which side he just needs to have a hard opinion on where him he himself lies and and i think that that like it, it shows that he realizes that he can be open about things he doesn't need to be like hard set like he was told to uh and i, I think that's why he does that final scene with Piper in the end? He's like, I'm, I'm gonna be okay. I don't need to be the ruler. I don't need to be the, the like the strong man that has to live up to the name of son of Jupiter. I can let myself be open, and I can not just be a kid, but I don't need to be the kid. Right. There's a lot of self discovery in Jason mm-hmm. specifically, and 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 it, I think it ties into that vulnerability actually all three of the topics we've mentioned could all be looped into this like self-discovery that we're seeing all the characters make and I think we'll touch on that a little bit next week in our recap episode because there's a lot to talk about there um and I think this goes really well into our characters and one of our characters for this week is going to be Jason mm-hmm. um like we said I, I we've said a lot about Jason this thus far he, we can say more. yeah, he's deciding to make his own path. 
I think that's the biggest thing. Um, specifically when he is down at I keep referencing the scene, but it's one of my favorites. I forgot about it, and it's probably one of the better scenes in this book, is yet again of him and Percy down at the bottom of the ocean. It's at that moment he decides that he is a child of both Greece and Rome, that he that he is going to make a path for himself. He is going to go between the two. He's going to serve as his own kind of liaison. He's going to make sure he's going to make his own kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it fuels, it fuels his character through the rest of this book. And I don't know, he has a, there's a lot of growth in Jason in this book too. Like he just kind of, A, he becomes a fully rounded character. <laughs> he's not just mm-hmm. the static, um, but he kind of turns down his fate. And decides to kind of write his own. It's very nice. Um, so. yeah. I don't know if um, you have anything else to add on Jason, but probably 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 nothing to Jason. I I uh anything I really had on him, I kind of just covered. I will say, while I have the chance, uh I I take back what I said at the beginning of this that Jason has zero personality. He now has a personality. <laughs> Uh, he gets one nice. token of personality <laughs> and he had uh, and now he has reading glasses to show that time, time has passed <laughs> that is i think that wraps back into the complaints we had about rick riordan he just really shoves that in there the uh-huh. entire scene with asclepius asclepius the god of Apollo's medicine kid yeah, yeah it's so fun that i would have loved to been in that scene for a little longer than what we are but instead, mm-hmm. he's like, uh, bada bada boom. Nico yeah. puts him on idiot mode. Also, Jason gets glasses. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. We really rushed through it. Um, I feel like we've said a lot about all of our characters that we have. Well, most of the characters we have. I, I, if we want to jump to Reyna, I have something I'd like yes, to Yes. I think that's least. a good place to go is to Reyna. Mm-hmm. Something that I like a lot about Reyna is that her um her power is a very good like way to show her characterization uh because we don't find out out about like what her like ability is other than just being very strategically minded until this book which is that she can share her bravery and her uh like like strength and other aspects to her group which is not only so very extremely roman because they are all like about like the sanctity of rome over all else um but it's it really takes the like the like herself out of the equation of both in fights and her power it is just that she is stronger in a group so that way she can ignore the parts of herself and just pass it on to other people um and while yeah sure she's still giving that strength she still has to be in decent shape to give this to everyone else it does take a lot off of her uh sort of stress wise and i think that that shows her characterization that she's just like if i i don't need to address my problems that i have i can just i can just absorb other people's because that's the other that's the caveat of her thing she feels other people's pain uh that they are harboring whilst uh she's like sharing this so she's just like i'll take on yours for now and i'll help you deal with that but i am not going to address my own i agree i i it does say a lot about her power or her her powers say a lot about her 
And I think you really hit the nail on the head that like it, the fact that it just shows that, you know, if she cares more about the group, then she'll be fine. Um, that her own problems don't matter as much as the groups do. Um, and I think this channels really well into our next character, which is going to be Nico. Um, after the first scene in which Reina is, you know, helps Nico get the strength to shadow travel mm-hmm. um, the next distance, she just says that that's the most hate, the most anger, the most anguish she has ever felt. And this is yeah. this is a child. He is fourteen this... years old, and he is harboring all of this just awful, like the negative emotions. He's got them all, and it just it. I I say this. I think every time we talk about Nico, that my heart just breaks for him. But this is it. But in this book, he's able to come to terms with it. Mm-hmm. We see that, and I'm going to give a little bit of a Trials of Apollo spoiler um for the for the the following series which we're not going to cover here but i do encourage you to read if you haven't read it it's it's pretty good um we see that nico is talking to dionysus a lot about his trauma he is working through his his ptsd he's working through his like mental problems and it's so refreshing and i think like we said earlier that this is the good conclusion to Nico's storyline that he finally has a home that mm-hmm. he's willing to call home. Also, the sheer amount of power this kid has. Yeah. Um, he like I we've said it, we've mentioned the scene a couple of times, but like I don't think we're doing it justice. This kid literally just evaporates a dude. Like the- he just goes, no, and just it's it's a power that like we've only seen like gods do this like okay goodbye sir you are gone forever um he basically smites the kid yeah it's it's not even it's not even like i cannot stress enough how much of a not a death it is he just stops his existence um nico doesn't stab him he doesn't attack him his followers don't you know his like band of demons don't attack mm -hmm. him he just wills him out of existence and like the only the the caveat to that was like obviously uh it uses a lot of strength through that and that sort of is like a a big thing with nico is that he is uh he's been shadow traveling so much and using so much of his powers that he is becoming shadow himself and if he used it too much he was going to literally just fade out of existence uh and, and there's I, a there's a there's a scene, and I don't mean to cut you off, but there is a line, and I, I want to say it's towards the end where Nico has to remind himself, "I am not the shadow. I control the shadow. I am alive." Mm-hmm. And it's just so sad because it's like his powers tie him so much to being with with the dead, with the underworld, mm-hmm. that he has to physically remind himself that no, I control the darkness. The darkness is not me. And I think it, it says a lot about his his character and his power. Mm-hmm. I also think that like he, they sort of like shadow comas that he's falling into also reflects that like he has been shouldering most of what has happened to him for his entire life instead of trying to share it with others, which is why I think that because I'll be honest, I thought that 
Reyna, Coach Hedge, and Nico was just uh, Riordan just throwing a dart, like throwing darts at a dartboard <laughs> to figure out who's going on this quest. Um, but it, it worked very well. Like they all sort of complemented each other. And obviously, Coach Hedge was kind of there for just comedic relief, but he's it still showed that like, like, like the extremes of care about the group, um, uh, and not about yourself, uh, and and like just like the sort of like variations on that of like Nico not caring about himself nor caring about the group and coach hedge who is oh he's coach hedge but you get what i'm getting at here (laughs) right right right. i agree um and i think well the final character was your suggestion yes so you want to go ahead and talk about this the last character for this yes uh so hera the uh uh, goddess of marriage uh here um is who we're going to talk about for our final character um we've i think we might have talked about her in the as a character in the first um the first episode of this first uh, or second yeah um so at that final climactic battle after uh like the gods have um beaten away the giants he uh uh like he being zeus uh so it's just like okay well glad that's all over and hera speaks up and it's like Oh, yes, all as I planned. This wouldn't have been possible without me. Um, and everyone sort of just gives her crap for that. And it's like, no, 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 no. You couldn't have seen this happen. This was also not the only way it was happening. Um, and this discussion sort of gives us a little bit more insight into how the sort of um, the fate works in this a little bit more. That was, they... Um, the, the pro- they received the prophecy, uh, which Apollo gave out early because he thought it was important and kind of interpreted it himself. Um, meanwhile, Hera sees this prophecy and fully like extrapolates upon it and goes about trying to do as much as she can to save the world. Uh, and because of that, the, this there is so much godly interference that we see why it is it is such a bad thing later down the lines. I think Zeus says the line that there are three fates for a reason. There is not just one fate. Uh, so that way, like, you know these sort of arcs and uh, the tracks that are going forward, but there is always going to be another option. Because the gods are such, like, powerful beings, their meddling basically cemented only, like, very few possible ways of things going. Um and I, I think that that's, that, that's important because it, it gives a little bit more characterization to uh, not only Hera, but the gods themselves of like, this is why they try to stay out of things. It's not that they are like truly just like don't care about humanity. And that's not to say they don't. It's just like a it, – it shows that they need them uh, as much as uh, we need them in certain aspects as, as well as – when Hera decides to sort of selfishly step in and try to be the hero, she just meddles nearly, nearly dooming some of the, the, some of the people. I mean, if it were not for the God of medicine, breaking his oath to Zeus to uh, make a, the uh, physician's cure again, uh, Leo would be completely dead. And, And I think that that shows that Hera is an extremely selfish deity. Um, Another part that characterizes that, and maybe it's not selfish, but it's another aspect of her is that she sees what she wants to see, uh, which is at um, 
I believe it is at the suitors uh, sort of palace that they are staying at. They are staying at the mansion of Odysseus and his wife. Um, they are, they call upon Hera because the marriage bed is here, which is like a very strong, uh, it is a bed that is made out of like, I think a living tree, I think an olive tree. So that way it cannot be moved. And it's heavily symbolism for uh, how I really wish I could stop calling her Odysseus's wife. I am, I, I cannot remember her name though. And I feel bad. I'm, I'm Googling it. Give me a second. Okay. Penelope. I was right. It's Penelope. Okay. Um, it shows that uh, Penelope, uh, like she did not, like she stayed very faithful to her marriage because she knew that her husband would come back someday. Uh, and Hare's like, oh, that's why they're my favorite couple. Perfect. And then I think uh, somebody points out, but doesn't say out loud. It's like, uh, Odysseus fell in love with like five or six different people. It was, back. it was Jason. Jason's just like, does she not realize that he like, he like messed around on, on, mm-hmm. on Penelope? I didn't and know this. I, but Penelope's the daughter of Icarus? Yeah. Which, like, offers up a whole different, like, we could get into Greek mythology symbolism, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that this shows that, like, Hera has very selective, not only, like, attention, but sort of, like, f- like focus on sort of something. She's like, oh my god, that's such a great metaphor. I'm going to ignore everything else. And it shows that she's not only, like, she she claims to be, the, like, the god of marriage and family, um, but there is reason that uh, she is sometimes credited as uh, being a god of sort of de- deception or f- uh, foolery. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that that's, I think that that's in, important to note and to show that like even when she's like, see, I saved everything, uh, she ignored any other possible ways of getting these, this mission ac- accomplished. I, I agree. There's a lot, there's a lot of Hera's meddling that, Please in here, obviously, but it's also them going against her meddling that like mm-hmm. makes the quest successful. So, but yeah, no, she's a really interesting character in this series. But speaking of characters, I guess we can go ahead to our MVP and LVP. Um, do you have an LVP? Yeah, uh, and I don't like saying it. However, um. I think my LVP is going to have to be Apollo on this one. <laughs> oh, there's a whole book series. On yeah. Literally him being the, the anti-hero of the series fuels the next one. But keep going. Go ahead. Um, Apollo, I like. Uh, I, in the other uh, books where you saw him, he was kind of fun. I was like, oh, I like this character. Um, and this one, he is like sitting on his island. So he, he cannot die and will not be uh, forced upon like the uh like the greek and roman schism because they're at their their birthplace island and he's just moping around and is not willing to help or do anything uh and he he can't like fix his powers of prophecy and he's just he's very pathetic which was sort of not what he was the first time we saw him um and he is able to be tricked just by leo making an instrument on the fly and being like have this Val designator. It plays a fun sound. Uh, and Apollo's like, yes! That's the yeah. best thing ever! It's just... I, but, uh, my, my man Apollo does not seem to be very useful in this one. Uh, all The only thing he did here was get, give them an ingredient, which is a flower that he picked. So a lot of work on that part. Um, and then 
directions. He was a glorified GPS. Uh, so glorified be- Google. Yeah. So because of that, he is my uh, LVP. Um, on a very similar note, my LVP is going to be Octavian. Mm-hmm. And not only because of reasons we've stated before and the fact that he literally has just ramped up this battle between the Greeks and the Romans. It's almost single-handedly Octavian's fault. Yeah. Um, but he also almost gets them all killed. And not the whole, like, oh, we are going to battle the Greeks and kill them. No, but in the fact he has brought on various monsters that are on Gia's side to help them. And then, of course, we'll end up turning on him and killing his legion. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets what he deserves. I think, I think there is something to be said that I just realized about comparisons between Octavian and Hera, mm-hmm. um, which is that they both see see this prophecy uh, laid out uh, before them, and both go, "Oh, well, this is how it has to be done." Okay, sure. Uh, and the difference, I think, in like how they do it is just that. Octavian is mortal and Hera is not. Hera is able to get everything worked out because there are so many other forces working in tandem with her to deal with, oh gosh, okay, this, well, you've now sealed yourself upon this fate. Um, Octavian is doing the same thing. He's interpreting as much as he can, but he is he is a flawed person um, that like is just sort of like lusting after power in the same way and because of his actions, he makes it so Gia will rise and the unit will uh, fall. And he sort of just sealed himself in his prophecy the same way Hera did, just sadly. Not really sadly, because I didn't like that guy, but like it, it all went negative for him. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can go ahead to MVP. Um, yeah. My MVP is... Uh... I think I'm gonna say I think I'm gonna say Nico. Actually, you know, no, no, no. I'm saying Will Solace. Um, <laughs> you're gonna take it, then I'll go yes! back to Nico. Okay. I, you let me have my. Actually, you can have Will Solace. I will. I will Are add you on. Sure, because I will really get. Like on, I will get on my soapbox and gush about Will Solis. He is my. I love Will Solis. Anyhow, go. You can have him. <laughs> it's fine. I'm okay. only a little hurt. It's okay. Uh, if you have anything to add, please go for it. However, uh, Will, you've been you've been talking this guy up, and I was like, okay, he's he heals, cool. He had a funny one liner once. Okay, sure. In this one, he is uh not only funny, but he's able to like he's the only person other than Reyna, uh, and even Reyna only did it to a small extent that is able to sort of snap Nico out of his funk and be like, hey, 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 listen, uh, I get that you've gone through a lot. You, we need to focus right now, and I don't want to try to rush you through this. But you, we gotta fight, and also you can't use your powers anymore, or you will literally dissipate. He does not let Nico like on any of his crap at all, uh, and it's probably one of the main reasons that that fight went so well. Um, also, the main reason Nico isn't a puddle of just shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Wilsolis, and yes, I have been talking him up. He is one of my favorite characters. He only gets better as a character. He's so witty. 
but also he we get the, the fact that he is um delivered uh coach hedge's kid and then immediately was like i don't want to i don't want to not be here so i decided to lead the campaign to like terrorize some romans <laughs> and it, he's just i love will solos he's one of my favorites but i'll go ahead and i'll take i'll take nico as my mvp um because without the without nico neither camp would be there oh yeah no. whether hera rose or not it the the series or the book would not have finished the way it did and and this goes nico just shoulders so much powers through so much to the point that he is willing to die unintentionally but is willing to die to kind of take this token you know mm-hmm. um and yeah i think we we've said a lot about nico we see him grow a mm-hmm. lot in this book um, I'm also going to give, I'm going to do two MVPs because uh, I want my other MVP, even though I really hate most of his storyline in this book, I, it's going to be Leo. I was I was about to nominate him as an honorable MVP. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really weird. Because he literally defeats Gia. It is him. Yeah. He He's like, all right, storm of fire, get her off the ground, I, blow her up. Let's go. <laughs> so kudos to, to Leo. I just, I've, I really like Leo. I've always liked his power sets and while I think his, I like the character a lot. I while I think that his storyline is given too much attention on like the romance aspect, which I think is a little bit forced. Um, I I still think that I I like Leo a lot, and I cannot stress enough how much I've always wanted the power set to just like Lego build like chuk, 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 <laughs> and just have like a cool gun or something. The Val Designator. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, of course, you can listen to us live on Friday mornings at 11 a.m. If you're doing that currently, even though it's closer to noon now, uh, you can always listen to us over at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasting. Maybe leave us a like, leave us a, leave us a comment. I don't know how a lot of platforms work. You can... <laughs> just and anything you can do to help promote the show yeah. uh, even if it's just by word of mouth really helps us out a lot uh yeah. we, we appreciate that um next week is going to be our recap we're going to do a recap episode for all 10 percy jackson books that we've covered here um there's gonna be a lot to talk about there probably might be an extended edition that's online only so you get the word here first um but yeah thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you next week bye Apple pen is dying. Mock me. Do it again. I gave you a British accent, okay? Because you're rich and posh. Don't bother. <laughs> um, anyhow.